All right, let's pray. Father, we do, uh, once again, we thank you, Lord, uh, for an opportunity to come and, and uh, Lord, to worship you and how great it is that we can just lift up our, our hearts and our hands to you in worship. And, and, Lord, we can sing praises to you and we can honor and, and glorify your name and realize what a blessed people we are. And I pray as we continue looking at men and women of faith that once again, God, you would just encourage us and, and strengthen us as we see what others have done and know, God, that they had the same struggles we have, the same difficulties we have, yet they trusted you. And Lord, I pray, I pray that this would just be such an encouragement for us, such a builder of our faith and a strengthening of our faith. So bless this time in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, as we kind of change directions here a little bit, we're gonna leave Moses, we're gonna go to uh, Joshua, look at him, and here's the interesting thing, as I said last time, there's a 40-year span in between verse 29 and verse 30, and we don't look at what was going on in those 40 years in the wilderness, because Israel wasn't, you know, that was a time where, where they were, quote, putting time out, because they did not act in faith to go into the land. And the author of Hebrews is showing us people who act by faith. So we're gonna pick up Joshua. And, and here's the thing, man. Whenever I read Joshua, especially Joshua, I think, man, this guy, this guy to me is incredible. And he's courageous, he does things. And sometimes, here's what I think. I think we think great courage produces great faith. And yet that's backwards thinking. Great faith produces great courage. And remember that. And, and again, our faith depends on what we're putting faith in. It's not blind faith. It's not a leap of faith. It's obviously, according to the first verse in Hebrews, it's, it's putting hope in things not seen and have assurance. I'm sorry, hope in, in, in things. My brain went crazy. So, Faith is the substance of things hoped for and then uh, the assurance or the conviction of things not seen. So listen, but there's evidence. All of us have evidence. And as we think of Joshua and crossing that, you know, Jordan River, listen, he, didn't have, he went through the Red Sea, but crossing the Jordan River. But if we go all the way back, remember, way, way back, 40 years prior to his going into the promised land. Remember Joshua and Caleb went with 10 other guys and they spied out the land and they looked at the land and it always blows my mind. Joshua and Caleb come back and they have the same report as the others. Listen, the others say, hey, there's giants in the land. And Joshua and Caleb goes, yeah, there's giants in the land, but look at the food they eat. Right? And let's get some of that and let's trust God and they want to go in and we know the whole story. All of that kind of went around. But listen, man, God allowed Joshua and Caleb to go into that land and he allowed Joshua to lead the people, which tells me, listen, tells me he was no spring chicken when they were going in, right? He's not a young guy. So here's a guy when we look at him, listen, we know that, that he's got some faith. But here's what else I know. Joshua struggled. It was hard for him. 
And I think, again, we read these people and we kind of we romanticize everything and we think everything was easy for them. So let's read verse 30. Then we're just going to flip over to Joshua. Verse, verse 30 says, By faith the walls of Jericho fell down after they were encircled for seven days. So we just have that, that little blurb. And actually he doesn't even mention Joshua, but we gotta look at Joshua as we think about what's going on. So flip over to Joshua chapter six, and uh, we're gonna spend the rest of the time there looking at that and beginning to understand that. But before we do, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna flip my Bible over and I'm gonna read in Joshua chapter one because I think this is important. I'm just gonna do three different verses. Verse six, listen to verse six of, of chapter one. Be strong and of good courage, for to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Verse seven, only be strong and very courageous that you may do, uh, that you may observe and do according to all the law of Moses. Verse nine, have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage. Now I don't know about you guys, but does that kind of say something to you? Here's what it says to me. Joshua was freaking out. Big time. Why? Well, number one, I mean, think about, think about he had to come in after Moses, right? How would you like to be the guy after Moses? And that would be really hard, right? I mean, everybody goes, man, come on, dude. You're not like Moses. Well, who's gonna be like Moses, right? And hey, that happens in life. You, you kind of come in and you come in behind somebody and sometimes, listen, sometimes that can train wreck us and sometimes it can make us stronger. And I think a lot of it depends on, number one, where your faith is. And number two, if you're comfortable in who you are. Like I'm really comfortable in who I am because I think God created me and I think he made the best me he could. Didn't have a lot to work with, but he did what he could, right? And, and I believe that. So listen, you get comfortable. But then there are these things that come in your life and they freak you out. And here's what I love, the idea that this guy that went into the promised land came back and said, we can take it. This guy who is leading the people in, in his heart, he is like his heart's going, and he's freaking out. And God says, okay, Josh, be courageous, be strong. And in case you didn't hear me, be courageous and be very strong or very courageous. And in case you didn't hear that, be strong and courageous, right? So God is telling him over and over. And then we have chapter two, which we're gonna look at next week, and the whole Rahab thing. And then Israel, listen, Israel crosses the, the Jordan River. And hey, everybody gets like, we get like really like, yes, when they go through the Red Sea. The Jordan River was at its flood stage. And again, those of us who have been to Israel, we look at the Jordan River. If you've not been to Israel, just go to the San Pedro. It's about the same. <laughs> you know, and, and uh, you know, I remember the first time I went, I go, this is it? Like this? That when you cross it, it does get bigger in places, but, but generally it's pretty small. But at flood stage, listen, at flood stage, it was like flowing. And God says, I want you to go across so that Children of Israel crossed on dry ground. Then they built the memorial in the middle of the river and on the other side of the river. They went through all of that and then they did the thing that kind of always freaks me out. Every time I read it, man, they get into the promised land and God says, oh, one more thing before you guys start fighting. 
Uh, you've been wandering for 40 years and you kind of really haven't been doing the circumcision thing. So here's what we need to do before we go any further. We need to get circumcised. I, I read that and I just think, I'm going back on the other side of the Jordan. <laughs> I mean, I read that and I think, I mean, wow. And it's like, it's like we're getting ready to go to war and conquer the land and we're gonna stop and do this. <laughs> Act of faith, right? Let's do what God says. And, and so they stop and do that. So that's kind of catching us all up. Now in, well, I'm gonna go up to, I wanna go up to chapter five, verse 13. Because this is an interesting place. So they, they've done the circumcision, they've done the memorial stones, they've crossed the, the thing. And oh, before we go on, and here's what they know. Now kind of get a picture of this because we talk about it with, uh, you know, with the children of Israel when they come to the Red Sea and the Egyptians are behind them. Now, they all cross the Jordan. They're healing from their circumcision thing. They're getting ready. And in front of them is this huge walled city. And behind them is the river flooded. And they're like in this spot, and what are they going to do? Now, I've, when I first started going to Israel, we could go into Jericho, and they had the ruins of the wall, and I remember I was so excited to see them, and now people will ask me, are we gonna go to Jericho and see those ruins? And last time we went to Jericho and ate a really good lunch, but uh, the ruins are not like, they're not, they're like not good. I remember we went, and here's what it looked like. It looked like somebody got their backhoe and dug a trench, in a trench and left this little bit of dirt up and we're looking and I'm looking in there. Yeah, where's the walls? Well, right there. Looks like dirt to me. Well, that's them. So, you know, again, but we know the walls fell down so maybe that's why. But, hey, it was, it was a pretty marvelous sight in the time of Joshua. And something to think about is this is kind of like they're going in and this is Israel being the tip of the spear, and by going and taking care of Jericho, they're beginning to divide that whole land into between north and south, and they can begin to conquer the land. So militarily, this was strategic, and they needed to do this. They needed to get this accomplished. But who are these guys? They're a bunch of slaves. These guys have been roaming around the desert for 40 years. Now think about, they cross over, they're looking at this fortified city in front of them, and most people say there were two walls, they were parallel with each other, and you know, so it was pretty much, you're not gonna get in. And what do you do if you're gonna, if you're gonna invade a walled city, what are you gonna do? Well, you're gonna have to break down some doors, you're gonna have to get some ladders, you're gonna do all of those things, or you can either have to try and starve them out. Well, you're a bunch of slaves. You barely have food for yourself. You don't even know what's going on. And so Joshua, being Joshua, he goes and scopes it out. And that's what we're gonna look at here. So verse 13 of chapter five, I kinda like this. And it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted his eyes and he looked and behold, a man stood opposite him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, are you for us or our adversaries? Now, I get, this, I get this idea that Joshua's still freaking out. But he's got this command. Listen, he remembers that the Lord says, be strong and of good courage. And so I think he's like looking at this city and I think he's thinking, how are we gonna do this? Hey, by now, Joshua has fought some battles and the children of Israel have fought some. 
but they're no, they're, they're no an army. And I think Joshua is just trying to process things like us. When, when we face something that seems bigger than us, I always think that's a good thing because then we're gonna walk by faith. If we can handle it, we're generally gonna handle it, right? A couple of you nod your head, agree with me. Right, when we got something, we can go, I can take care of that. What do we do? We generally take care of it. But when it's something so ominous that we look at it, we go, oh man. What happens at that point? No, we gotta walk by faith. And I love, listen, here's what I love. Generally, when we step out and do something, God will meet us in steps along the way. And here's Joshua looking at this, I think he's looking at this city thinking, no way, there is no way. And all of a sudden, this figure appears. And it freaks him out, right? And he goes, hey, are you for us? Or are you against us? Here's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking he's thinking, I gotta kill this guy. Are you for us or against us? And, and I love the answer. I love it in the New King James, and I, I know it's just wording, but here's what I love. He says, are you for us or for our adversaries? Verse 14, so he said, no. I'm thinking that wasn't a yes or no question. <laughs> right? That was a question of which side are you on, and you say no, and, and you know, some, some of your translations say none or neither, but I like that idea of here's this being, and he goes, are you for us or against us? No. And that's gonna like perk up Joshua a little bit. And then here's what he says, listen. And how great is this? No, but as a commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. Oh, oh. You're freaking out. Man, are we gonna be able to take this city? And who shows up? Now I believe, and I could be wrong, but I believe this is a, Theophany. By a theophany, we mean, you know, God taking on a physical appearance. Actually, I think it's a Christophany. I think this is the second person of, of the Trinity showing up. And here's what he says. Listen to what he's telling Joshua. Joshua, you have the whole army of the Lord that is on your side if you walk with the Lord, right? You've got, all you gotta do is trust us. All you gotta do is believe us. Listen, this isn't a fight of you against them or us against them. This is a fight for you. And so he says, hey, here's who I am. And the reason I think it's a Christophany is look at this. And Joshua fell down in the middle of verse 14, fell down on his face to the earth and worshiped him. Oh, every time I read in the Bible when just an angel shows up and someone worships him, what does the angel do? Unless it's, you know, the morning star who fell, what does the angel do? Get up, don't worship me, right? But this being accepts a worship, and it says he worshiped him, and he says, what does my Lord say to his servant? Now, here's what I love. He's going, okay, now check this out. Think about this. You're scoping out the city wondering how you're gonna do this as a military guy, because I think he was kind of a military guy, and you're freaking out inside, you're knowing, you, hey, you know your resources, and you're going, this is not gonna happen, and you're freaking out on the inside, this being shows up, you go, whose side are you on? No, but I'm a commander of the Lord's army. And then Joshua, listen to what Joshua, this is so important. So he says, listen, what are you gonna say to your servant? Don't you love it? Here's what he says, I'm here, what do we need to do? When was the last time you faced some 
something huge in your life that you know that you could not handle, you could not take care of, you couldn't fix it. When was the last time you said, Lord, what is it you want me to do here? What do I need to do? Because I wanna trust you in this situation. I wanna follow you in this situation. I wanna exercise faith in this situation. And so I love that, man. He goes, okay, tell me what to do, right? What do you want your servant to do? Then the commander of the Lord's army, check this out, said to Joshua, take, off your, take your sandals off your foot, or take your sandal off your foot, for the place where you stand is holy. Huh, huh. Did, didn't someone else say that to Moses? Yeah, so that's why I think, listen, at least, at the very least, this is a theophany. But now, let's process that for a moment. I believe with all my heart, Moses told everybody about that, right? You're gonna tell people when God appears to you, hey, if God showed up at my house, I would be telling everybody. You know who came over today? God. <laughs> right, you would like, and you'd say, and here's what he told me to take my shoes off because I'm on holy ground. So you know that Moses, or, or I'm sorry, Joshua heard that from Moses. Now think about what this does for your courage, right? Hey, you, you've, you've been exercising faith. You exercised faith when you went into the land and you came back and reported it. You exercised faith as you served Moses and you were under Moses. You exercised faith as you crossed the Jordan River on dry ground and you built the thing. You even exercised faith in the whole circumcision thing. That's kinda, I know that's kind of like, but it's true, right? You did all of that. Now listen, man, here's what God says. I gotta build your faith a little bit more because I want you to be very courageous. And to be very courageous, you gotta have faith in a great God. And so he says, hey, take off your shoe because you're on holy ground. Do you know what happened in Moses or in Joshua's heart? Ding, 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 ding. Ooh, I'm in the presence of God. I love that, right? Because here's what I found. As I still my heart and I get quiet, and I get in the presence of God, not maybe the physical presence, but I come into the presence of God and, and I hear the word of the Lord through his word, spend time with him. Man, here's what I feel. I could do anything. You put anything in front of me and I could do it. So then he says, listen, then he says, this is a bad chapter break, by the way. It says, now Jericho was securely shut up because of the children of Israel, and none went out and none came in. So here's what I find fascinating, and we'll look at it more next week, is Jericho's freaked out. They're freaked out because, and part of it makes sense, you got a couple million people coming across the river towards you. That's a little weird, right? Unless you live in 2021 in the United States of America, and then people coming towards your border, it's okay. But, Sorry just slipped out. <laughs> hey, you got a couple million people coming at you? It's a little scary, right? And the people in Jericho are like, we're shutting up in our walled city. We're gonna take care of ourselves and we're not coming out or going in and we know from Rahab, listen, they had certain reports going on, but that's a mystery for next week. I want you to come back. So listen, we get that information. Then verse two, and the Lord said to Joshua, so the last thing we heard, here's what Joshua said. It, it says, you know, here I am. What does my Lord say? What does my Lord say to his servant? And the Lord said to Joshua, see, I have given Jericho into your hands, its king and the mighty men of valor. 
You know what you need to underline in that verse? Did you pay attention to the grammar? I have given Jericho into your hand. Not I will, not I want to, I've already done it. Listen carefully, man. When God speaks that way in your heart, here's what you need to know. Man, you can take that to the bank, right? I've done this. I've given Jericho into your hand. Listen, and then here's what I think. Don't read on, because we gotta play like this is a mystery, really, because Joshua didn't get to read ahead. And here's what God says, we're gonna do this, man. I've given him into your hand. Now, you're a military guy, you're thinking, okay, man, he's gonna send, you know, He's gonna send Humvees, we're gonna have tanks, we're gonna have all this stuff. Okay, God, if you've given it, we've got all this stuff. Now listen what the Lord says. I've given it the king and the men of valor. Here's what you need to do, Josh, verse three. You shall march around the city, all you men of war, and you shall go all around the city once, and then you shall do this six days. Now at that point, I think I'm freaking out. If I'm Joshua, I'm thinking, that's kind of weird. You think they're going to get dizzy watching us? Like, that's a weird way to invade a walled city. Just walk around the city. And then God says, no, and not just once. I want you to do it for six days. And then check this out. And he says, seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. But the seventh day, you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpets. And it shall come to pass when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, and when you hear the sound of the trumpet, that all the people shall, uh, shall shout with a great shout, then the wall of the city will fall down flat, and the people will go up every man straight before him. That's our plan, Josh. Come on, man, we read this, and I know, I know, listen, I know we know the outcome, but do you know how bizarre that is? Seriously. How weird that is? What a strange way to conquer a city. How do you conquer, how do you conquer a city? You conquer a city, as I said, by knocking down the gates, by breaching the wall, or at least getting ladders going over the wall. You're gonna do all that. And here's what God says. Here's what I want you to do, Joshua. I want you to trust me. Remember in verse, in chapter one, I said you need to be very strong, very courageous, and you need to do all I command you. Now here's what I'm commanded you. Walk around that city. Now I think you hear the first part, and you're going, okay, I kind of get that. We need to look at the whole city. And then I want you to do it for six days, and then on the seventh day, oh, by the way, I want you to, you know, have the priests go with you. That always is comforting. I know when I was in the army and the priest showed up, it was a little bit spooky, like, why are they here? Is it for last rites or something? What's going on, right? It was always kind of freaked me out because they weren't there all the time. But I want you to take the priest with you, and then I want, you to, I want them to blow the shofar, we call it, the, the, the horn of a ram. Now, here's something interesting. Here's a side note. We don't want to chase too many rabbit trails, but here's a side note. When Israel went to war and they blew horns for war, they used silver horns, hammered out horns. When they blew horns for celebration, it was the shofar. Hmm. Here's what God says. I want you to blow that horn, not the silver horns. I want you to blow the ram's horn. Why? Because I've already given you this city. Do you believe me or not? And here's what I found in my life. 
When God lays out a plan, even when it seems bizarre like that, and I don't think he's given me anything quite that strange, but even when it seems like, God, it just doesn't make sense, I have a choice, and here's my choice. I can trust God, and I can believe God, and I can act in faith, or the only other option I have is trust me and my instincts and my strength and act on my own strength. It's one or the other. Saints, we don't have any middle ground. It always cracks me up when people say, well, I think I'll do the neutral thing. There's no neutral, there's no Switzerland in these things. You're either gonna do trust God or you're gonna trust yourself. And now Joshua's got that whole thing. Now, imagine you gotta process this and you're kinda thinking about it and you're going, I don't know, man. I wish Moses was here could use some help right now, and I wonder, maybe I ought to pass this by Caleb. He kind of understands, you know? It's like, what do you do in that situation? How do you go tell your people, here's the plan? Really, I mean, think about that. You gotta communicate this to some of your leaders. You gotta communicate this to the priests. The priests are, listen, I don't think the priests are really gonna be on board. You want us to do what? I remember when I was in the army in San Antonio, we were, uh, I was at Fort Sam Houston, which is a big medical base, but we were engineers. And the engineers and the MPs were the first line of defense in case any riots broke out. And this was when riots would break out. And so we were the uh, line of defense and once a month we would have this riot training and we would practice and I remember they were all serious about it. Now, again, I was kind of a goof off in the army but I, I didn't want to die in San Antonio so I kind of paid attention. But one thing that disturbed me is I asked our leadership, I said, do we get bullets? And they said, no. And I said, so you want us to go face rioters who have bullets and we don't get any. Use your bayonet. That's what they told us. And I said, ah, last time I checked, it's bad, bad, bad mojo to take a knife to a gunfight. Doesn't make sense. And then all of that came out of the Kent State thing, and those of you who can remember, and kind of, you relate to that. If you don't remember, just Google Kent State. But all of that was coming out of that. Well, this is what I'm looking at here. I didn't, listen, I gotta be honest. I think if they would have called me and said, hey man, there is a major riot in downtown San Antonio, I think I'd be sick that day. (laughs) I'm not, I don't wanna go defenseless. So here's, Here's the same thing. Hey, we're gonna go take Jericho, and here's how we're gonna do it. We're gonna walk around the city. Oh, Joshua. Did you drink some of that water that was in the Jordan and it made you sick in the head, or what's going on, right? So he goes and tells them, listen, he goes and tells them, and then Joshua, the son of Nun, I like that, now we're getting all formal, right? Called the priests and said to them, now don't you love it? Who's the first people he calls? The priests. Hey, guys, come. I got a job for you. Take up the Ark of the Covenant and let seven priests bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the Ark of the Lord. And he said to the people, proceed and march around the city and let him who is armed advance before the Ark of the Lord. Now here's an interesting thing. They're taking the Ark into battle. They were never supposed to do that. This time it was okay. 
take the ark with you. Why? Because they're not going into a battle. They're exercising faith in trusting God. And here's what I found. Listen carefully. Once you step out in that faith and you take that step of faith, you're going to experience the presence of God like you've never experienced before. And as you experience the presence of God, that is going to give you strength. What was the ark? The presence of God. Let's take the ark. I love that, man. Take the ark and we're gonna go and we're gonna do this. Now, again, I think he's following stuff. I don't think he's like breaking anything. So it was when Joshua had spoken to the people that the seven priests bearing the seven trumpets of ram's horns. Oh, by the way, in this chapter, notice how much seven is numbered, right, or said, and you can do your whole numerology, your Bible numerology on that. Again, I think it's a number of completion, but it's over and over. So when Joshua had spoken to the people that the seven priests bearing the seven trumpets of ram's horns before the, uh, I'm sorry, uh, before the Lord advanced and blew the trumpets and the ark of the covenant of the Lord followed them. Then the armed men went before the priests who blew the trumpets and the rear guard came after the ark while the, while the priest continued blowing the trumpets. Now Joshua had commanded the people uh, saying, you shall not shout or make any noise with your voice, nor shall a word proceed out of your mouth until the day I tell you. So he had, so he had the ark of the Lord circle the city, going around at once. Then they came back into camp and they lodged in, in the camp. So listen, man, Joshua talks them into it. Somehow, okay, we're gonna do this. And they go, now here's what I find interesting. Don't say a word. Why do you think he had to tell them not to say a word? Because the people inside the city, they're on the wall going, you bunch of dorks, what are you doing? And they're walking around and they're mocking them and making fun of them. And here's what I kind of envision is they're mocking them and making fun of them. They're going, what do you got that box for in the middle of your midst? Why are you carrying around that gold box? What's up with the gold box? Now listen carefully. That's how the world looks at things. How did Joshua and the guys with him look at things? Here's what they looked at. We're being obedient to God, and this box is the presence of the Lord with us. Saints, don't let the world put down what you're doing as you serve your God. The world will mock, the world will make fun of, the world won't understand, and it's okay. We're serving the living God, and we walk in his presence. So listen, man, I love that. Now, Arkant Hughes says this. I love this. He says, whoever stormed the walled city, or I like to think whoever stormed the castle, but that's a whole different movie. But whoever stormed the walled city, now listen, whoever did this wearing truth for his war belt, righteousness for his breastplate, good news for his shoes, faith for his shield, salvation for a helmet, and a Bible for a sword. Oh, huh, come out Thursday night. Interesting though, isn't it? Interesting, it's all faith. Listen, it has to do whether you're gonna trust God or not trust God. If you're gonna believe his word or believe in yourself. It's one or the other. Again, you have to face those things. And Joshua and his guys, man, they march around that city, and as they go around that city, man, again, I think they're thinking, I can't believe this, and I can't believe we're doing this. So verse 12, listen, we gotta, we gotta kinda get in and wrap this up. You guys are listening way too slow. 
But Joshua, listen, and Joshua rose early in the morning and the priests took up the ark of the Lord. Then the seven priests bearing seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark of the Lord went on continually and blew with the trumpets and the armed men went before them and the rear guard came after the ark of the Lord while the priests continued blowing the trumpets and the second day they marched around the city once. Then they returned to the camp and they did this for six days. So again, man, that, do you know how hard that would be? Now, a couple things I think we learned. Number one, they're being obedient. Number two, they're being patient. Isn't that fun? And then, listen, then the climax, and again, I know most of us know this. Pretend you don't. These guys haven't read ahead. They're having to face this. They're having to trust God. Do you know how bizarre this must have felt? Even when, listen, even when the people didn't shoot him, you know, here's what I was reading one guy, and he goes, well, you know, Joshua was smart enough to stay outside of the range of a bow, you know, an arrow. And I'm thinking, no, the people didn't shoot him. Why didn't the people shoot him? Because Joshua was so smart or because God protected him? Yeah. And they're walking around and even with all of that, do you know that doubts come in? Every time, listen, every time I feel like I've made a major decision either in my life or for the ministry for the Lord, do you know how many doubts come in and doubts flood? And here's what the Lord says, you're gonna trust me or not? And especially on the things that are completely outside of your control and you're trying to fix. And so they did that and then, and then it says, listen, then it came to pass in verse seven, it came to pass on the seventh day. Oh, oh, we gotta talk about this. I think this is exciting. What's the seventh day? Yeah, did you ever think about that when you read this story? What's the seventh day? The Sabbath. Huh, huh, isn't it interesting what God does and does not do? That's just a side note. I don't want to trace, chase that rabbit trail for a long ways. You can do it after the study. But listen, on the seventh day, isn't that funny? On the seventh day, they rose early and, and uh, about the dawning of the day and marched around the city seven times. Listen, in the same manner on that day, only they marched around the city seven times and the seventh time it happened when the priests blew the trumpets that Joshua said to the people, shout for the Lord has given you the city. Now skip down to verse uh, 20 because 17, 18, 19 is kind of parenthetical. Verse 20 says, so the people shouted when the priests blew the trumpets and it happened when the people heard the sound of the trumpet and the people shouted with a great shout that the wall fell down. Then the people went up in the city, every man straight in or straight before him and they took the city. Woo! You know what happens when you trust God? He comes through. He doesn't like fail you, but here's the thing. A lot of us, we don't want to get pushed into those situations. Listen to this. This is in Warren Wiersbe quoted this guy, Philip, Phillips Brook, and here's what he said. Do not pray for easy lives. Pray to be stronger. Do not pray for tasks equal to your power. Pray for power equal to your tasks. And saints, I think a lot of us, we don't experience these things. And listen, I think it all boils down to this, the presence of God in your life. And we don't sense that, we don't feel that because we're not stepping out in faith. We're doing things that we can control, we can keep uh, you know, in, in our little bubble and handle. I kind of love stepping outside of what I can do. And I feel like I do it almost weekly when I get up to teach. 
and it's stepping out and it's taking a step of faith because, again, I'm handling God's word and that's quite a responsibility. And I, you know, I hear other people and I listen to other people and I think, man, they do it so much better. And we have to step out in faith. And if I do it in my own strength, it's terrible. I know when, when we as a church moved from Hereford Road into that building and within six months, we had totally, completely outgrown that and we were doing four weekend services just to get weekend services and people fit in and we were crowding people. People said when we went from over there to over here, it was like going from coach to first class because we had the chairs as close as we could put them and people had no room and we were making it as tight as possible and we set things up and I remember somebody came to me and said, it's because you moved into town is why this happened and you know what my response to them was? If that's why it happened, then it's going to fell. What happened to the church was a move of God in the hearts of people. And we must never forget that. Why did the walls fall down? Because these guys had faith? You might say, yeah. Really? Really? You could have all the faith in the world and walk around a city and blow horns and shout and nothing happens. Why did the walls fall down? Because God knocked those walls down. Yes, they had to exercise the faith to be part of that, but it wasn't their faith that knocked the walls down. It was God. He says, hey, I've given you this city, and here's the problem. A lot of us do something, and God uses us in some way, and we think it has something to do with us. It has nothing to do with us. You guys have heard me say many times, and if you haven't been here long enough, you'll hear me say, We're just hoses, that's all we are. We're hoses that God flows through and his power flows through. You're nothing, hey, do you go out and praise your hose for being a hose and carrying the water from the spigot to the plant? You usually just like, stupid hose, it kinks. (laughs) Now I don't think we kink, we may. But listen, we're just hoses. And I don't want us to read this story and say, man, Joshua, was a great man of faith, and that's why God did things. No, Joshua got to be part of what God was doing because he had faith in God and because he trusted God. It's sort of like this. You can receive a check, and as long as you keep that check in your hand and do nothing with it, it doesn't do you any good, does it? You gotta go cash the check. Well, you can tell me all day long you have faith in a great God, But until you put feet to that and you trust him, it's not doing you any good. And I listen, I love to sing worship songs. I love to be moved by the words of those songs. I even love to be moved by the music. I know some people get a little freaked out, but it's okay. I love, I love that whole thing. But it's because I have a great God and I have tried and tested him and he knocks down walls. That doesn't mean, listen, doesn't mean we're gonna have, you know, this wonderful life with no thing. Hey, if we had a wonderful life with no struggles and no hassles coming in, then we wouldn't need faith. I believe the more you step out in faith, the more you get to exercise faith. Now some of you go, that's exactly why I don't do it. That's why I'm telling you. I don't do those things because I don't want that to happen. Come on. Don't you want to experience God? Don't you want to have the presence of God in your life? Then you got to start walking by faith and not by sight. Let's stand up and pray.
Father, we do, uh, we thank you once again, Lord, just for the challenge here. And, and Lord, I know it's, I know we can read it and say, yeah, this is all about, you know, this guy who, you know, is, is you know, way above me and so far above me. Go and read about Joshua. He's, Joshua is just a man just like us. So, Lord, I pray that you would challenge us in such a way that we would trust you. Bring things in our life that would cause us to trust you. I know, I know that's a scary prayer, and I know some of you are rebuking that right now. But Lord, let us be men and women who don't just play at church. We don't just play around with this thing we call faith. But God, we walk it and exercise it. And we're people who we don't just talk about trusting God. We are people who go about trusting God. Work in our hearts, work in our lives. And, and I'm gonna ask you to stay in that attitude of prayer. And if you are here tonight and you've not taken that, that very first step of faith, in other words, you've not trusted him for your salvation, you've not come into the family of God, man, I wanna invite you to do that here tonight. Take that very first step. And I think that's a scary step, I get it. But here's what I'm telling you. Jesus Christ died for your sins. He took the punishment you deserve and he took it upon himself and he paid the price for you. Now, you gotta come to the place where you understand you deserve punishment. You gotta come to that place where you understand you, you're a sinner. And you gotta be sorry for the sins you've done. You've gotta, you gotta be broken before God about those sins. He's a holy God. And then you can come to him and thank him for taking your place, for doing that for you. And you know what? I don't care if you've come to church for you know, 25 years or this is your first time in church. Man, if God is moving on your heart and telling you you need, to, you need to be in that place with him, say this prayer. Don't be proud. Don't be that person, I'm not gonna say it. I don't care how much. You know, I've got this facade to keep up. Drop the facade and come to Jesus. If you're backslidden, come home. If you're watching online, say this prayer with us. We know a lot of you are online. Maybe God touched your heart in your home. Say this prayer right now. Jesus, I confess to you that I am a sinner. And right now, right now, I'm sorry that I sinned against you, God. And tonight I'm asking you to forgive me. Jesus, thank you for dying for my sin. Thank you tonight for your forgiveness. Right now, I'm asking you to come into my heart and change me, God. I want you to come into my life and guide me. Tonight, I want you to be my Lord and my Savior.